Welcome to the Long-Term Care Chronicles podcast. Um, Helen and uh, Elaine, I just wanted to thank you both for coming on to the Long-Term Care Chronicles this afternoon. And as well, before we start, if I can get you both to just give us a little bit of feedback to so the listeners know uh, a little bit about you and the OASIS program. Okay, well, I'll start. Um, my name's Helen Cooper. Um, I'm a retired person in Kingston. Mm-hmm. Uh, I My previous association with the city was that I, at one time, was the mayor of Kingston. And uh, I subsequently worked for the Ontario Public Service for a number of years. And uh, uh, Upon retirement, uh, getting to know my own community again a little bit, uh, I was invited to join the board of Oasis Volunteer Board, which I happily did. And I've been very much involved with it ever since. Uh, It couldn't have been better timing for me. Uh, Elaine is one of our lovely Oasis members, one of the more active ones. Yeah, so... Well, I'm uh, 78 years old, of course retired, um, have lived in Bowling Green too for about three and a half years now. Um, I used to live in this building uh, about 20 years ago with my husband and uh, we moved away and got our own home. And But we, both of us had always said, you know, when we couldn't look after a house, we were coming back here because this area has everything that, everything was closed, banks, groceries, uh, post office, everything within walking distance. So perfect location. And I think they they now have a fancy name for for this kind of area called a NORC, which means a, a natural occurring uh, retirement center. And uh, anyway, my husband died a little over eight and a half years ago. And uh, like they say, don't make any major decisions right away. And I didn't. Uh, I liked where I was living and could handle everything. But uh, three years after he passed away, I took a heart attack. And that got me thinking about, oh, <laughs> you know, maybe it's time I looked at something else. Um, and uh, once I was feeling better after that, I had an opportunity to do some volunteer work uh, here at Oasis with their meal program. Didn't last very long because it was just a little too much for me. But um, it introduced me to the program. And I thought, oh, okay, this is where I want to come for sure. And um, so I guess it was um, a couple of years after the heart attack that I had a bad fall putting out garbage one winter evening and (laughs) slipped on a bit of ice and broke my wrist and didn't do my knees very much good and pulled a muscle in the groin and I thought oh it's time I can't do this anymore I've got to be somewhere where I'm safe 
And uh, so then I tried to uh, get into this apartment building. Well, that took a little bit of time. And uh, uh, because uh, housing here in Kingston at that time even was at a premium, it was hard to find or to get into uh, good spots. So anyway, I persevered and uh, kept bugging people, <laughs> especially the superintendent and um, he was very helpful and I eventually got in and so happy to be here. It was the best place I could be in and, and I'm so comfortable. And Anyway, I'll probably tell you more about all that later. <laughs> no problem at all, but thank you both for that. And so we'll start. And I just, uh, and the first question being is, why was the, the Oasis model created? What was the need that it was filling? And what are the main features of living in a model, which is obviously referred to as what you said, Elaine, a naturally occurring retirement community? Well, the person to tell you uh, best is Christine McMillan, who founded Oasis. Christine is now in her 90s. She lives in an apartment in Toronto. She moved there to be closer to her family. Money uh, for a pilot project. Uh, what they were interested in addressing was the potential of elder abuse and how to deal with it. What they discovered from talking to people who were living in this apartment building is that that was not the issue. The issue was addressing isolation and loneliness. And uh, so they, uh, Christine and her friends, turned this around in terms of uh, what could we be doing that people want. Uh, that's the critical importance of OASIS is that OASIS is serving uh, the needs as stated by the members of OASIS. So we have give or take 50 people living in this apartment building. Um, we have a structure uh, where uh, we have a volunteer board of directors and it's very much the responsibility of the board to be consulting regularly with the members as to what the members' preferences are for programming. We also uh, have enough money to be able to pay a coordinator uh, who can facilitate the programming. Uh, and Elaine can tell you many more things that our coordinator does. She's been with the program since the beginning. Uh, we are fortunate in that regard. Uh, the landlord provides us with communal space and the landlord uh, doesn't charge us for the use of any of the facilities in the building. Uh, and we have a landlord who has informed us on many occasions that they would happily cooperate in expanding the program because there are benefits for the landlord as well. And so uh, I, I guess I'd better not go on. I'd better specifically answer your questions. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Um, Elaine, is there anything you wanted to add to that? Uh, on, on my part, I, I really um, am grateful to Homestead for allowing us to, to have this wonderful program here. And... Um, that, you know, we're provided with a large common room that we can use. Uh, 
We have an oasis room well as well, a lounge, and uh, also the coordinator. Uh, she has her office space in the lounge as well, and we also have storage space to put chairs and tables and things away. So uh, I, I think uh, a benevolent landlord uh, <laughs> is a great asset to the whole oh, program. It's a must. Yeah. It's, a, it's really a must. I, at the expense of putting words in the landlord's mouth, they will say uh, there are benefits to the landlord as well. Uh, that uh, uh, people are retain their tenancies longer, uh, yeah. and um, that um, uh, uh, Oasis members are really good tenants. They pay their rent on time. Uh, they never damage the building. They never have wild parties. <laughs> and uh, so uh, it, it's it's it, it's a mutually beneficial arrangement. Yeah. Uh, I will say, with the uh, expansion of the Oasis program, it's currently being undertaken. Um, Elaine specifically mentioned Homestead Landholdings, who's the original landlord, but there are uh, other now there are other landlords becoming involved as well. And the general consensus is that it's a good program for them as well as. Uh, for the people who enjoy being members. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I think I do have a, a question in regards to the expansion of the program, but I just want to get with the with the Oasis model that, you know, you do work with a lot of, I guess, the public sector, not-for-profit and, pri and private sector organizations, but you have three main pillars, which is mostly preventing social isolation, facilita facilitating better nutrition, and promoting physical fitness. I know you've mentioned about the common areas, but what other types of these, of how these three pillars are being uh, collaborated with at the particular facilities or at the particular homes that everyone resides at? Well, uh, uh, Oasis, um, it, the original isn't a 50 unit apartment building. Um, the expansion project uh, being operated by Queen's University has expanded to uh, three other apartment buildings in Kingston, uh, uh, apartment complex in London and one in Hamilton, Ontario. And then the, as I mentioned previously, the original, the founder of Oasis, Christine McMillan uh, has started a project in her apartment building in Toronto. It's actually a complex of two buildings. Uh, so um, it, it, it's very adaptable uh, just to its, and that's part of, a, an important part of the uh, the evaluation project with the university is to determine uh, uh, under what circumstances uh, an oasis can operate. Elaine has told you about common room space. Um, some buildings, of course, uh, have much more of it than others. And so we're having to learn uh, what can we do uh, given certain constraints uh, with certain buildings. Uh, there's a lot more to go with that. Uh, that the this the essential ingredients are a willing membership. Uh, Elaine is is one of our active and very uh, helpful members uh, in terms of telling us what she, what she and her her <laughs> fellow members would like to see. Uh, we have a volunteer board of directors. It's seven people. Uh, they're all members of the Kingston area community uh, with. Uh, experience in related uh, 
activities, uh, you know, part of organizations in the past. Um, we, we, we have a source of funds uh, from the provincial government. Uh, that is always the critical factor. Uh, with that source of funds, uh, we are able to hire a program coordinator whom uh, Elaine can talk, speak to that as to the role of the coordinator. Um, I call her the glue that keeps the whole thing together. Um, so we we have a, we offer nutrition before the pandemic uh, through a caterer coming in and serving three catered dinners per week with, as Elaine has pointed out, uh, volunteers to help serve the meals. Uh, very nicely set up dining room for that uh, in the common room. And uh, as Elaine has pointed out, the furniture is stored there when it's not in use. And, um, uh, but we, um, it, it, we don't manage the, we as a board of directors don't manage the money directly, nor do we hire the program, program coordinator. Another essential partner in this whole exercise is Providence Care Hospital, which is a large a regional facility, uh, rehabilitative medicine, uh, as opposed to acute care. And they, um, they offer financial management for us. So the money flows through them. Uh, they hire the coordinator. So she has a really good employer uh, with a proper job description, a proper paycheck uh, and proper benefits. As, and um, so all these components are critical to making Oasis function. So, what I always say, at, at first of all, it sounds really simple, uh, but it isn't really simple. You know, it, it, in the sense that there needs to be a very well-coordinated uh, group of people and institutions that can support it. Once it's up and running, it runs really well, uh, but uh, it's, it's a lot to get it functional in the first Definitely for that. Elaine, do you want to add anything else? Well, you talked about uh, having uh, three kind of pillars and uh, for preventing isolation. Uh, we had, you know, it's kind of even hard to talk about this right now because of COVID. We had so much before COVID, uh, all kinds of programs, uh, there was something to do almost every day, plus the meal programs that took away that isolation. You could go down and have a coffee in the, in the lounge in the morning. You, you know, we had exercise programs uh, tw twice a week. The VON came in and uh, our coordinator, Tina, uh, you know, did a sitter size program as well. So um, there was uh, wee bowling, um, there was book clubs, there was <laughs> movies. <laughs> uh, we just had so many activities and uh, potluck meals and uh, uh, what do you call them? Uh, community volunteers would come in, let's say from um, CNIB to Tell us about uh, 
things that could be helpful as far as our site. We had people from the hearing association come over and talk about that. Uh, we had people from Providence Care come over and talk about aging and uh, our medications and how to how to sort that out. And it was, it, it was a multitude of things. Uh, there was this program uh, talk about good nutrition. Um, even though we were having these meals, they were all um, uh, the meals even were very nutritious. The, no salt in them, uh, the sugars, and you know everything that was good for us, and uh, the whole program. Uh, really makes each member feel special and uh, I think oh, we had a craft group too that was a I happened to start that one <laughs> and uh, that was a lot of fun and we got uh, we started making uh, dialysis covers uh, for KJ patients down at KGH, we knitted them and we had about 10 knitters and we'd sit around and knit these things. And, um, you know, we sent over 700 of these little covers for them. And, you know, that gave us a real sense of self-worth. We were still useful. Uh, I could go on and on. <laughs> no, no, that's that's fine. But then what has, during COVID, then what has changed uh, for a lot of you? Uh, well, we're just not allowed to meet together. Um, like even that craft project, uh, we couldn't continue it because we couldn't keep sending it over to KGH. They, you know, uh, because of the possible... Uh, contamination maybe from this building or never happened but uh, you know you didn't know that so that dried up and uh, almost all our projects changed um, yeah I, I think Tina the coordinator mm -hmm. is still with the program she's worked very hard to keep in touch with the members uh, any way she can uh, uh, those who are familiar with uh, personal computer and the internet, uh, she sent them all kinds of stuff to try to while away the hours. Um, I, I, uh, it, Tina's been bringing some meals in as well, Elaine, I believe, at, at individual deliveries. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, but it is, it's really hard and it's gone on for so long now. Um, we're just really grateful that nobody in the building has contracted the virus. And um, Tina was also able uh, to arrange for people to get their vaccinations. So I don't, at, at this point, Elaine, are, are most of you, have you had your second shot yet or not? I know no. it was happening soon. I, it, it, they will be very shortly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think within the next month, catches mm -hmm. most of us um, yeah. up to our second one. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. And so going into now the, the private sector accommodation would be with seniors living in the community. And this would be, I guess, free of charge. And again, coming to the same pillars that you had before where, um, you know, for physical fitness, you know, hopefully after COVID and fear of injury and falls, and of course the whole isolation piece and adequate nutrition. Now, do you think that these buildings with their sense of community and OASIS providing that supported infrastructure, that this would assist with the current talk of the aging in place model? Um, I, I'm a complete convert, uh, <laughs> uh, but I think, um, uh, uh, it's something that's very interesting is when the research project did uh, go on uh, for over a period of two years, roughly, and uh, in uh, the buildings I told you before mm -hmm. they expanded to. By the way, there was also a uh, mobile home park uh, between Belleville and Trenton, which uh, uh, also had, a, well, 450 units uh, and uh, a a population of many people who'd lived there for many, many years. Uh, they did have one central, they do have one central recreation building where uh, Oasis programming was able to take place. What I can tell you is for those expansion buildings, because the research money ran out, they, uh, we weren't, despite all our attempts to reach for primarily government to try to extend the programs, we weren't able, we weren't successful, uh, but uh, the researchers now have a new four-year grant. And uh, they, so they're reopening the programs in, in at Kingston, Belleville, London, Hamilton, Toronto. And um, uh, all the members in those buildings are ready and willing and able to get going again, uh, which I think is really an interesting comment on the kind of bonds that OASIS has developed, uh, is helped develop uh, amongst the communities that live there. Um, they're, they're ready to, to get rolling again. Uh, so we're hoping with the next four years that the program will become uh, increasingly entrenched and that the wisdom of the program will be seen. I, I think uh, as Elaine has stated, it, it gives people uh, an interest, it people a sense of purpose, it gives people just a chance to have a good time uh, and enjoy the company of other people. Uh, there's extensive research on this now. Um, I compile a presentation because I'm often asked to present about the program. Uh, there's increasing scientific evidence around uh, ability of people to thrive into old age and meaningful uh, socialization, meaningful relationships with other people are as least as important, if not more important than anything else. Uh, in fact, uh, one researcher, I believe at, in the University of Utah has done an extensive study on this has said being lonely and isolated uh, is as, uh, as unhealthy for you as smoking five, uh, 15 cigarettes a day. So uh, it, it, it affects anybody. It's younger people who are are also potentially very unhealthy. But um, with older people, 
it uh, also means that they neglect uh, taking care of themselves and uh, are physically less able to stop going to be bothered anymore, right? It's too much effort. And uh, that's when people decline. They decline both physically and mentally. And what we are seeing with Oasis is that we have a lot of very lively, happy people. I, I was one of the volunteers for meal service on Thursdays. And I, uh, I, I was doing it with one of the professors on the research project, uh, who's a remarked person in her own right. We were both events and we got to, we got to see folks and uh, chat to them. And uh, yeah, it, it was just a really, really pleasant environment. that you've mentioned about where the um, Oasis has now kind of expanded throughout the province. Um, what would then be the requirements if someone wanted to be part of the Oasis program? Yeah, I think um, the research project is, uh, well, it's an evaluated project. Uh, the point is to, I, I can say, I think it's important improving people's lives. Elaine can say that too. Uh, it's better actually coming from her than uh, I can so happily. Uh, but the professors who are undertaking the study are evaluating to be able to say this is uh, even in the period of time that they had to evaluate the programs initially, they were showing results that there are fewer falls, people, uh, that people just generally expressed qualitatively uh, that they were feeling less lonely, uh, that they were enjoying life more. And as I said, we can translate that into people uh, living uh, independently for longer, which is a huge benefit to everybody in our society. Uh, so, um, I'm not sure I've answered your question. Perhaps you'd like to rephrase. Well, I guess um, we'll just go into what, like, I know that you have, you know, there are different uh, research groups with different universities. What has been some of the main points that they've determined? I know you've mentioned a few of them in terms of um, with the, the loneliness, but what have been the main markers or key points that they have determined from their documentation of the benefits of an OASIS model? Uh, well, uh, uh, there are certain quantitative measures. Uh, that I've already mentioned yeah. falls. Uh, incidence of falls is, is less. And... Um, Falls very often precipitate uh, extended stays in hospital, transference to long-term care and so on. It, it's an oft-told story. So if we can anything prevent people from serious falls, that's important. And it does look like Oasis is able to achieve that. Uh, I think Elaine's pointed it out. I mean, we've, we've had people, come in to speak to the members, talk about falls prevention, what they should can do for themselves in that regard. Um, but it is also associated with people eating properly and uh, uh, cognitively uh, staying much more alert than would otherwise be the case. 
I've really the, um, the research project. Sorry, like I was just going to uh, add research project is also look. Yes, I was, I was going to add to that because over COVID, I've I've seen the change in people in the building. Uh, it it's very visible. Uh, you know, people are having more falls again, and uh, you know the isolation. I'm sure has got a great part to play in that. Yes, yes, I'm sure, and yeah, we're 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 very keen to you know to get past uh, get those oh, sex, <laughs> second vaccinations and get people so that they're able to get together again. Yeah. Uh, the uh, uh, the other indicators that the uh, scientists are working on are uh, emergency room visits, uh, use of home care, uh, use of other physician services, uh, the sorts of measures you would expect from, uh, and what they were able to show even in the earlier short uh, two-year study. Uh, population in the new sites with those who've had the OASIS program for a significant period of time. And, and, and there is, uh, there, it is statistically significant uh, that uh, by all these measures, uh, OASIS is improvement. The, the problem is, of course, that these are all long-term goals, yeah. miracles. And, but uh, with so steady progress, uh, it would appear that we are making an impact on people's lives and uh, we're doing it in a way that they're enjoying, which is, there's got to be some benefit to that. And Aileen, is there anything else that you wanted to add? Um, I'm really at on this question, I don't think so. I think Helen's covered it pretty well. Um. So with the current conversation with long-term care and aging in place, um, do you feel that the OASIS model can be adapted for the person in long-term care and for Canadians living in the community to be expanded? Uh well, yes, it's it's the principles of Oasis that we've already talked about that are what are needed. And uh, uh, I, I'm not an expert on long-term care, long shot, but certainly what's occurred through the pandemic, I am extremely interested. In fact, I am currently reading Andre Picard's book, I Neglected No More. Yes. Uh, a very well-known health uh, reporter and writer in Canada. And uh, it's, it, we as a society are, um, uh, our, our country, we are not in the vanguard at all in terms of elder care. Uh, countries like Denmark are far more advanced than we are in terms of having said many years ago, they were not going to build any more institutions uh, for long-term care. I'm quite convinced at this stage uh, that uh, building more long-term care is a big, big mistake. 
that we as a society should be focusing on much more uh, home-like care. Now, Oasis is, uh, is low touch, if I may put it that way, but, uh, and, and some people will need much more care, particularly as they're entering their 80s or 90s. Uh, uh, well, except that we will say at Oasis, at our site, we have quite a few members who are in their 90s now. Uh, and uh, so I think we better make that clear. In fact, we have one member who's almost 100, in fact, two members who are almost yeah. 100. There may be more. I just, they haven't told me how old they are. <laughs> but, um, but I, I think uh, people don't want to be pulled out of their home environments into uh, an institution. Uh, uh, none of us say we would like that to happen to us. And uh, so I think there are models like Oasis with more, it could be more intensive care if required, uh, that we can be providing in our communities that are not institutional. Yeah, I just think that um, Oasis is kind of takes you up to the dire need of long-term care. It, and it extends that period of time. Uh, that's what I see here. I think there does come a point where some people do need long-term care because of the nursing care required because we just don't have the people in our system right now to 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 help at um, the community level i don't think there are that many psws available or the time available uh, for individual care but uh it's I, I know just from being here that, uh, <laughs> like Helen just said, these people that are in their 90s that are here, they're, they're living independently in their apartments with dignity and, and still able to take care of themselves, uh, you know, with, with some community help, but uh, they're doing well. <laughs> and and we the uh, are uh, benefit from their knowledge and wisdom that they're passing down. Definitely, and it sounds like there are some key points that can be translated, maybe not in a large scale, but there are some key points that because you've mentioned about the different programs, people learning and being educated, I think that can too be applied. And just so finally, in terms of any final thoughts uh, in regards with the OASIS program, um, just the benefits of that, because I know you've mentioned a lot of them, but again, if there's anything that we've missed that you wanted to further um, detail on. Well, I'll, I'll bow to Elaine. Oh, <laughs> I was just um, thinking uh, this morning, particularly, uh, one of your questions was, uh, you know, what has Oasis <laughs> seen in regards to senior living in your time of environment? And I think that we're talking about COVID. And uh, I was thinking about what have we done here in Oasis to keep 
the program growing as well as we did. And I put all um, how well we've come through this. This last little lockdown just seemed to be almost the straw that broke her back. But um, our coordinator, uh, you know, she really stepped up uh, and has throughout um, this pandemic to make sure we had things to do. There's always, she's always putting something on the computers, um, whether it's a podcast on YouTube to watch, uh, could be funny, could be educational, uh, uh, could be about history or the environment or uh, her education to us about the pandemic and what was happening and when we could expect vaccines and <laughs> and on and on it went um how important it was to wear our masks and what kind and uh she spent i'm sure more than the hours she's paid to to, uh, <laughs> to keep us so well informed um you know, we've got a, a good um, library going where we can go in and pick up a few pocketbooks and we can do that. We don't have to be um, in a group just to go in. But every time we're going into that lounge, you know, our temperature's taken. Our, we do our hand washing before we even go up over to pick up a book. And um, uh, so not only do we have the library, but there's a, a humongous supply of puzzles. And I know I've done quite a few of them myself. Um, and, you know, just the encouragement uh, we get from our coordinator to get out and walk. Yeah, we don't have exercise programs, but you know, the weather is nicer now, maybe not today when it's quite so humid, but um, other days to get out there and even if it's just a walk around the building to try and do that. Um, but uh, like Helen said earlier, she's the glue that keeps going. <laughs> and, uh, it's Tina. Tina, the coordinator. Is the <laughs> <list>. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, we're all reliant on her and certainly our board. Our board hasn't been able to meet in person uh, for over a year now, uh, but we've met every month by telephone and Tina joins those calls. So we know Tina is able to report to us uh, what she's done and what members have been able to do. Um, I certainly hope uh, the the rate of uh, new cases is going way down in Ontario now, and uh, I would very much hope that, especially outdoors, Elaine, that you would be able to meet outdoors this uh, this summer, as long as we are double vaccinated and uh, do everything else that we're we're uh, instructed to do. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you both for coming on to the podcast and to talk about the OASIS program so poor, more people can know about it and know what it's what it's all about. But I just want to thank you, Helen and Elaine, for coming on and speaking about this. So thank you so much. And I greatly appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>